Welcome to the Shari Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Shari Tzedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Imagine, if you will, a time of uncertainty. Maybe something kind of scary is happening. You hear voices surrounding you, some playing into that fear, some promoting chaos, making guesses as to what's actually happening when no one, it seems, really knows what's happening. It's not too hard to imagine, is it? In this week's Torah portion, coincidentally, we find the Israelites in just such a moment. We've crossed the Sea of Reeds, we've been freed from slavery, we've heard the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai and accepted the law. But then, right after we say, Na'asev and Ishma, we will do it and then we'll hear, Moses goes back to the top of Mount Sinai without telling the Israelites what it is that we're supposed to do next. Moses tells the people that he will return that same day, but 40 days and 40 nights pass with no sign of our friend Moses. He took no food with him, and the people were understandably concerned. So what happens? You know the end of the story. The people gather against Aaron, Moses' brother, and his number two, and the leader on the ground at the time, and they beg of him, make us a God who shall go before us. For that Moses who brought us from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. Almost immediately after they've received the law to not worship idols, they ask Aaron to build them an idol. They do exactly what they're not supposed to do. I can imagine being Aaron as well. His people need a leader, although he doesn't necessarily know what that means in the moment. He could have tried to calm them down. He could have preached patience. He could have outright refused their request. But instead, he gave the people what they wanted. He asked for gold, which he melted and molded into the shape of a calf, claiming that this golden calf represented the God of Israel who brought the people out of Egypt, and he declared the day a festival to Adonai. Aaron tried to do the best he could in a difficult situation, 
But in the end, his decision would lead to the destruction of the first set of tablets, one of the great sins of our people in the Torah, and a plague that would hit the worst of the offenders. The medieval philosopher Yehuda Halevi tries to contextualize this sin of Aaron and the people, lessening its severity to his modern audience. He writes that after 40 days of waiting, the people felt like they had to do something. They wanted something tangible like the other nations, something to which they could look as they pondered all of God's wonders. No different, he says, than the sky. It wasn't that the people were turning away from God. They just wanted a way to worship God, something that they could look at like the other nations had, something that would give them comfort and strength in their time of fear. Their intention was right. They just acted upon it in the wrong way. As I read this Torah portion each year, I might be alone in the rabbinic world in finding a little bit of humor, seeing these events as almost a bad sitcom, and I'll explain how. What the people don't know, and the great irony of this story, is that while the Israelites were at the base of the mountain losing their patience, demanding something physical that they could see and touch in their worship, God was giving Moses instructions for the Mishkan, the tabernacle, the sanctuary that would carry the tablets and ultimately become the temple in Jerusalem. The reason Moses was gone for so long was because the Mishkan itself was so detailed and complex that 40 days was necessary for the instructions. The people wanted something tangible, and God was giving it to them in a way they never could have imagined. They just didn't have the patience to wait. I wasn't expecting you to laugh, but you see the humor a little bit. No, I know everyone at home does. <laughs> now, the story is far from a perfect parallel to the uncertainty we feel today. The mountain at which we stand is one for which there are answers, even if we don't fully understand the question. We have that blueprint. We know how to wash our hands, how to keep our distance. We know we're not supposed to touch our face, even though it's so... Two of you, right when I said it. It is so hard not to touch our face. We know that we're supposed to stay away from large gatherings and stay at home if we're at risk. I know that many who are used to being with us on Friday nights are watching from home this evening, and perhaps many who are not used to being with us on Friday nights may also be watching from home this evening, looking for a bit of calm, inspiration, solace in the midst of this storm. We also have two B'nai Mitzvah families with us tonight, and I know that each of you are missing family members and friends who are unable to travel, and you too are doing everything you can to prevent the spread of the virus, even as you celebrate this momentous occasion. Even as we do our best to follow that blueprint, 
The chaos symbolized by the golden calf is still a risk as we stand at the base of today's Mount Sinai, waiting for our Moses to return, waiting for what we pray is the calm at the end of the storm. To want to take care of our families makes sense. And of course, we need enough food and soap and hand sanitizer and toilet paper should we end up unable to leave our homes. But to hoard supplies to the detriment of our neighbors is to worship the golden calf of today. To recognize the transmission of the virus and to look to other countries for both the do's and don'ts is to learn from others' blueprints of their mishkan. But to place blame or promote stereotypes and hatred is to build a golden calf at the base of our mountain. And as we learn from Utah Jazz Center Rudy Gobert, who in mocking the restrictions the NBA was placing on media and interviews, touched every microphone and recording device that was placed in front of him, high-fiving and hugging his teammates as well, only to test positive for the virus two days later. Ignoring the threat could be the worst golden calf of them all. Caution is not an overreaction. It's our responsibility. And while personal hygiene and social distancing whenever possible is perhaps the most important response, flattening that curve I hope we've all seen ensuring that our medical institutions are prepared to provide the help that we fear many will be needing in the weeks to come. Even as we distance ourselves, we must find ways to maintain a sense of community and inclusiveness as we do. For loneliness and depression are potential golden calves as well. As a Sharit Tzedek community, many already watch their live stream services together with family, and others may choose to utilize our Facebook streaming over our other options so that you have the ability to speak to one another in the comments. Now, I never encourage our congregants to talk during the service, but those of you on Facebook may choose to utilize that option more than we have in the past. We always see a few Shabbat Shaloms from Gainesville or from Washington or Oklahoma, but maybe you'll share some conversation, some discussion, and I look forward to seeing that which you'll share with one another. You might even want to discuss the sermon. In fact, if you're one of our Bar Bat Mitzvah students watching right now and you comment, we can count that as being here as well. Perfect. Perfect. And virtual communication aside, we as a greater community and in our friends and families should use this time for more communication with one another. More phone calls, more texts, more check-ins with the people you love, and more meaningful connections, even as they become fewer and fewer physical ones. I was speaking with a few people earlier and explaining the dilemma of the prophet. 
that I learned about in rabbinical school when we were learning about the story of Jonah. Jonah went to Nineveh and said, the city is going to be destroyed and here are all of the things you have to do to prevent that destruction. And this dilemma is that if the people listen to him and the destruction is prevented, people could say, oh, you were crazy. Nothing was going to happen to begin with. And if the people didn't listen to him and the city was destroyed, there was no one left to tell him he was right. Um, our prayer is that all of this caution is unnecessary. But I know that we as a congregation are going to continue to learn and explore and encourage our members to do everything they can to stay safe and at home and to be cautious. I want to share a story before I end this evening. And it's a story about King Solomon, who was trying to humble one of his most trusted servants. He was accused of having a favorite, and he wanted to prove that he didn't. So he sent this servant to find something that would make the king happy when he was sad and sad when he was happy. He was sure that this was an impossible feat, and he would be able to show that he did not have a favorite, and he would be able to yell at the servant in front of his kingdom for not performing the task. The servant didn't know this, though, and he searched high and low, looking for something that would make you happy when you were sad and sad when you were happy. And finally, it was the day of his due date, and he had nothing. But he found a shopkeeper, one last shopkeeper, right before the kingdom. And he told him his task, I need something that will make you happy when you're sad and sad when you're happy. And the shopkeeper rushed in and gave him a ring that had three words engraved in it. I had to count quickly, but three words. And the servant couldn't read, so he didn't know what those words were, but he had no choice other than to trust the shopkeeper. When he arrived at the kingdom, King Solomon was laughing in celebration knowing that he had outsmarted his servant. But when he looked down, his smile quickly changed to a scowl. The ring said three Hebrew words, Gam ze ya'avor, this too shall pass. This pandemic is a reminder that our moments of comfort are vulnerable, that life can change quickly, but... It's also a reminder that this too is temporary, that normalcy will return. We'll be there for one another through this vulnerability, and we'll be there for one another when we return from it. For many, those in the medical world and those who will find themselves directly impacted, the chaos that may ensue over the coming weeks could be unavoidable, and we will be there for you. For others, however, who've found their travel canceled or are spending time that would normally have been spent at work or school or hockey games and are finding more time at home, you may find a somewhat eerie calm and quiet to which we're not so accustomed in today's rapidly moving world. The poet Lynn Unger suggests that we think of this time as an extended Shabbat, in her poem, Pandemic, which has been making its way across 
all the rabbis of Facebook, and I wanted to share it with you tonight. She writes, What if you thought of it as the Jews consider Shabbat, the most sacred of times? Cease from travel. Cease from buying and selling. Give up just for now on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing. Pray. Touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has come clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we all shall live. As we celebrate this Shabbat, as we look ahead, I pray that through the coming weeks and at their end, the result is that we as a community, as a country, as a greater world, have not built a golden calf, that we have not found chaos, but instead we've followed the blueprint that's been given to us and we have built a mishkan, a well-thought-out sanctuary, a holy space that we've built together as we've gone through this waiting together and found peace, I pray, together.